The button is pushed. Why do we talk about the button being pushed every week? I don't know why we do that. <laughs> that's a good question. And we do. <laughs> we do. We push the button. Hey, that's how we start the show. We push the button. This is Barely Furcasting featuring Tabin and Injured Nerves Audio Production. Well, hello, Tabin. Hello, Barely. How are you today, Mr. Barely? I'm good. How are you? I am doing good. It's been a busy day, a wagon all around, but it's been very nice and pretty outside and doing the things. So, yeah. A wagon? You had a wagon? Yeah, I, a little red one. A little, oh, did you circle the wagon? <laughs> I circled the wagon. <laughs> okay. We are starting out well. Normally, we would do furries in the news later on, but I was scouring the web for furry news today, and all of the news that I could find was not good. And I didn't want to make light of it later on in our podcast. So I want to bring it up right now. California is literally ablaze. It is a conflagration. And Louisiana is deep in water and hurricanes. It's terrible. And we've got furs down there. I was reading some of the furs Twitters and they're all the stuff. And they're talking about how they lost their houses. They lost their homes. They lost their cars. So if you all know a fur that has, is suffering because of all these natural disasters and you have a way to help them out, please help them out because we're a big family and it's... It's important that we support those people that are now and those furs that are now finding themselves homeless and without all their property and their pets. Yeah. A lot of them lost their pets in this and their pets are missing. So there's ways for you to help. You can go to their Patreons. You can go to their GoFundMes. But be very careful because there are nefarious cretins out there. That's a $12 college word. I've now learned college things. (laughs) Nefarious cretins who will take advantage of a bad situation and try and bilk you of your money. So if you know a fur, help them out particularly and donate to you your local or national humane society that they can use the money to help all those lost pets that they're finding. So give that a shot and help them out as best you can. I like that idea of a humane society or or shelter or something to donate money to. That's a good idea. So another couple of cons have fallen. Ah, yes. The the official announcement for A&W came out just about a week ago. And then I read also where the Anthro New England, Mm. their scheduled one for February of 2021 has been canceled. Oh. Cancellations are now creeping into 2021. So TFF is in February, and that would be my next con. So we'll see what happens there. Let's talk about what you're watching on television this week. Anything new? What am I watching on TV? (laughs) Let let me tell you about this thing that that happened. So I was in the library the other day because I wanted a book on dinosaurs. And so I went to the librarian and and asked, Mr. Librarian, could you tell me where are some good books on, on dinosaurs, some good authors? Librarian thought, for a second and said, I believe there's a good book written by uh, a Miss Tops. I think her first name is Sarah. So try that. (laughs) So I went looking for the book and I realized that I must try Sarah Tops. Uh-huh. I saw that coming. I saw it. Well, there it is. <laughs> it's just the first joke of the pod. Or is the joke itself the? I mean, is the pod itself the joke? Or is the joke itself the pod? I don't. Tune in next time and find out. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> What is even happening to this show? Oh, my cow. I don't know. Um, we're, we're spiraling out of control at this point. Yeah. TV is pretty much the same. F is for family. My name is Earl. Oh, you know, there's a lot of not good movies out there. Like you watch them and it's like, wow, that was disappointing. But recently I've watched a few really good movies. I saw about a week ago. It's called Ready Player One. 
really good, really good. Came out, what, just a few years ago or something. You, you saw that? Yes. Yeah, really good. It's a VR thing. I mean, it's just really good. I, I really recommend it to all you first, especially you gamers out there will really appreciate it. And actually, uh, with the state of how things are right now, that's kind of how things are right now. <laughs> and also, the other night, we saw the newest Spider-Man movie, and that was really good, too. It's called Far From Home, I think. I really recommend that, too. You know, I, I've only seen the very first Spider-Man movie. For whatever reason, they don't speak to me. Now, all the other superhero movies, I love watching, but Spider-Man's just like, meh. No, yeah, this one was, I mean, in my, this pup's humble opinion, really good. I started re-watching the Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, cool. With Captain Archer. So it's the one of the first, it goes back in time before the Kirk Enterprise. I have actually not seen one episode of that, believe it or not. And I'm a Trekkie. I'm a tricky pop. The big fans think that that was kind of a, a swing and a miss. I think it made it three seasons at least. I mean, I think it made it at least many seasons as the original Star Trek, so it can't be all that bad. Uh, so I started watching that, and that's about the only thing I've been watching. I've been doing a lot of uh, work lately. I have to tell you, I have heard more comments about your joke about being off-putting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's I was proud of myself for that when I just came up with it. People have commented on it. I've had people that are not in the furry fandom that listen to our podcast, and they found that one of the funniest things you've ever said. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Pros and cons to that, I guess. Well, good, good, good. I'm glad um, I did that then, I think. <laughs> I guess, yeah. All right, so guess what time it is? What time is it? Okay, it's time for... <laughs> It's time to post the the link for 5-Minute Furs for Fun. So I got a voice message on Telegram the other day. And this person wanted to know why we were focusing on little furs. Little and I was like, little furs? What are you talking about? I asked him, what are you talking about? And he says, because you wanted five minute furs. <laughs> minute furs. <laughs> yep. I said, I said, you read the word wrong. It's minute. <laughs> And, and you don't have a gecko, you have a newt, apparently. <laughs> yes, a minute fur, yeah. So. Okay, well, uh, no furs for fun, but I can understand there's a lot of stuff going on, and it's a very trying time. What can you do? Hi, you how are you doing? sit in a shoe while over the cuckoo nest, nest a bird flew. <laughs> a bird flew, okay, well, <laughs> like, um, oh. I'm just going to ignore that. All right, well, Tabor, you know what time it is? What time is it, barely? That's going to be our catchphrase. Do you know what time it is? <laughs> What time is it, Barely? It's time for our interview with Renegade Rue. Oh, yes, that's exciting. The bouncy bunny. <laughs> the bounce. He's not a bunny. Well, we'll find out soon. Okay. All right. Well, here we go. Renegade, here we come. Woo! All right. Uh, joining us today is Renegade Kangaroo. Hello, Renegade. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for asking. Thank you for having me on. I'm very excited to uh, be here with you guys today. Well, we're excited to have you here with us today. So, Tabin, I know that you and Renegade have a history because I have video of you two fighting at BLFC. I know I had my boxing gloves. Hopefully I didn't accidentally There were boxing gloves on. There were boxing gloves. There were some punches being thrown. There were, but my way to fight back was to give big hug 
And I had my hat on. That's the first time I've worn my hat. So the combination of my hat and hug, I think I think Rue still won, but I think I had a nice fighting chance there. You know what? I think I call it as a, as a victory for you just because uh, love always outdoes any kind of uh, mutual, like any kind of combat. So I think you won there that you one. Go. I'll give it to you. Oh, I like I accept. We'll go next round next year. Yeah, exactly. If we ever get to go to a con again. Yes. All right. Well, Tabin, why don't you see if you want to ask some questions? See if I want to ask. Okay. So let me take a second to think. Yes, I do want to ask some questions. Good. Of Renegade, as a matter of fact. And Rue, would you like to respond to some questions from this pup? Sure. I'd be happy to. Definitely. Definitely. That's great. Because if you said you didn't want to, well, you're out of luck because I'm going to anyway. And because that's what I do. Do you know why monkeys are not worried about their appearance? Wow. Okay. So why why are monkeys not worried about their appearance? Okay. That is a question. That is a definite question there. You know what? Because they live so carefree, I envy them. They can care less what other people think about them. And therein lies the beauty of being a monkey, I think. That too. That's actually not the correct answer. I mean, that's partially the correct answer. But the real correct answer is, actually, your answer is much better than than the real answer, which is because they're not worried because if they were, they'd be wearing pants. (laughs) I don't even know what that really means, but I heard it on a show today. And I thought, oh, but Rue doesn't like pants, so he might appreciate this. I don't know. I'll tell you what, I have a newfound appreciation for monkeys because of that. So definitely. <laughs> I'm glad I could help out. And barely you're I, <laughs> poor Barry. You see what he has to put up with? Oh my cow. Where where are you from, Renegade? <laughs> okay. I'm from El Paso, Texas. Um, so it's as far west Texas as you can get before you leave the state. So we're kind of separated from the rest of Texas. We're in the middle of the Chihuahuan Desert. So I've been baking out here in 100-plus weather um, out in the middle of the desert, but I was born and raised here in El Paso, so I'm back home where I grew up. So really, really interesting place if you haven't checked it out yet. That's exciting. And and so you're by the Chihuahua Mountains? Is that what you said? No, but in the Chihuahuan Desert. So oh. we do have mountain ranges out here, the Franklin Mountains, but... I'm in the, a place called the Chihuahuan Desert. So it's a big, vast amount of desert out there that kind of envelops all of El Paso. So we're kind of separated from everybody. The nearest city to us is Albuquerque, like big city, and that's about a good four hours away. So we're definitely isolated here. <laughs> I've, I've heard of El Paso, but I didn't realize it was so close to um, a bunch of dogs. That because Okay, anyway. That was <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing very well today. Hi, how are you today, Renegade? I'm doing fantastic today. Thank you so much for asking. Yeah. So that brings us to the important question. How did you become a Renegade Kangaroo and how long have you been such? So I've been Renegade Kangaroo since around 2011. It's kind of an interesting story how I developed the character. So my brother is a leukemia cancer survivor. He got it when he was about 16 years old. So At that time, I was living in Houston at MD Anderson Cancer Center with him as a standby for a bone marrow transplant for him. And during that time, it was a very difficult time to see my brother go through horrible, horrible things, through chemo, through getting sick through it, through having to get stints implanted on him. 
it was a horrible, horrible time. And this is around 2011. So a part of me just says, you know what, I got to escape a little bit. I want to get away just from all of the stuff that's happening for a bit. You know, my favorite animal of all time has always been kangaroo. So I figured, you know what, I want to go ahead and uh, try to make people laugh as best I can. So I uh, drew Renegade up, started telling lame jokes, you know, on Twitter. And um, I guess they kind of caught on a little bit. You know, that's how Renegade started. You know, it started from a place where, and luckily my brother is a survivor. He's actually in med school now. He's going to be a doctor. So, you know, it was a good happy ending in that. And, you know, I got Renegade from that as well. So, you know, I try to turn a negative experience into something positive and a way to make me feel better is to try to make other people laugh. So, that is, uh, that's how I came up with Renegade. Wow, that's actually, uh, I did not expect that. That's pretty cool. And so as you say, you came out even better than you would have thought. I mean, that's amazing and wonderful that your brother's okay, so happy, and you now have your, your kangaroo, and that's, that's wonderful. Definitely. So that's been quite a while then? It's been quite a while. So I've had uh, Renegade since 2011. So yeah, he's he's been with me for, for quite a bit of time. And he's my only persona. It's definitely what I relate to 100%. I don't see myself as being anything else for sure. No, I I actually don't either somehow. <laughs> so it hurts. <laughs> it definitely fits. So what about, um, how long have you been in the fandom? Uh, did that come along after, before? How did that come about? And the furry? Oh, yeah. So I've been in the fandom for quite a bit of, like, of time. I've been in the fandom since 1999 when I was 13 years old. 21-ish years already. So I've been in the fandom for quite a bit of time. But my involvement wasn't like it is now. Um, you know, I was just really into the art. Uh, I talked to people here and there on, like, Furry Muck. I don't know if you guys remember that back in the day. Furry Muck, IRC chats, all of that good stuff. So... But back then I was a wolf. So technically I've been a wolf longer than I was a kangaroo. I was uh, I had a persona named Spike. He was this punk rock looking persona. You know, I was huge into the punk scene back in, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, high school. I had my wolf for a while. Like I said, it, the degree of involvement was not like it is with Renegade right now. But I was definitely still a part of the fandom. You know, I consider myself a furry since 1999. So you know, I've seen this fandom grow in a lot of different ways, change in a lot of different ways. I've seen it go through good times and bad times. You know, it's it's beautiful to see what this fandom has turned into. So, you know, I've been very fortunate to see all all of that come together to what it is today. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely have not been around as long as you have in the fandom, but I also see, you know, we're sticking together. I mean, like with everything that's happening now, we're still sticking together and trying to, you know, still be the family that we are and still supporting each other. It's a pretty beautiful thing, actually, definitely. Oh, I agree. What brought you to Furry in the beginning? Like, how did you find Spike? Back in the beginning, when I was around 13 years old, that's when I first got internet. And I've always loved werewolves when I was a kid. I was a huge werewolf movie buff. I just loved them. So I remember looking online when we first got it. I don't remember what search. It might have been like, cheese, like Lycos or Buena Vista. I don't know if you remember those search engines back in the day. <laughs> yeah. So it was back one of those search engines uh, back in the day. And I searched for werewolves and a website popped up called Elfwood. So Elfwood is a sci-fi fantasy art website. It's like a precursor to DeviantArt and all of that. And there was a huge section of furry, which I had no idea what that was. And, you know, even before I found the furry fandom, you know, I've always been drawn to anthropomorphic characters. I've always thought they were super neat. You know, I've always, whenever there was a video game or anything like that, I always chose an animal character. So to see this whole subgenre of 
furry art of different animals kind of adapting these human qualities. I was like, wow, what is this? This is super cool. So I created an account and, uh, you know, I drew some horrible pictures here and there as a 13 year old would, you know, really <laughs> like amateurish uh, art, but it allowed me to communicate to some people who were on that website and they told me about the furry fandom. And one of them invited me to an IRC chat one time. I believe it was Furnet at that time. And I got to meet a lot of um, a lot of amazing people through that, you know, through Furnet, through Muck, and through just general chatting. You know, I've met a lot of people that have been in the fandom for a while. Like, back then, he was known as Flinterhoof, but it's uh, Flinters was, you know, somebody that's been in the fandom since I could remember. You know, he was huge in the fandom. He still is. But, you know, me talking to him about that, you know, I was like, oh, my God, this guy draws, you know, amazing and stuff. So I found that through just kind of talking to people and everything. It was something I frequented. You know, I loved the art and I loved the whole culture, you know, that was there at the time. And I felt like I found a place to fit in. You know, I found a place that kind of gets why I like these anthropomorphic animals in a way that nobody else could. You know, I kind of stuck with it ever since. You know, to this day, I still haven't lost the enthusiasm I felt when I first found this fandom. You know, I wish I wish I could relive that over and over again of when I first found this fandom because it really just clicked with me. And little did I know, you know, it would become such a huge part of my life like it is now. You know, it's become... Part of who I am, my persona is who I am as a person. It's become that. My involvement in this, I, I call it a community. I know some people might disagree with me on that. You know, that's something that some people say it's just a hobby, you know. But as long as I've been in this fandom and from what I've seen and the friends I've made, amazing people from all over the world that had the pleasure of meeting, you know, to me, it's almost like a family. It definitely is a community. You know, I would, I would call it a community. Uh, I've had people be there for me during very difficult times in my life. I've had people go through all kinds of stuff with me. You know, I've seen people come and go. I've seen people pass away. You know, I've seen, we've gone through good and bad times, you know, together as a huge subculture. I think that's beautiful how it's just evolved into this. It's almost like family for me. You know, I can't see myself being involved in anything else like I am within the furry fandom. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I think actually there's a lot of furs out there that would echo <laughs> what you just said. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think of it as a family, too, definitely. So we had Uncle Kage on the show recently, and he said, what was it exactly he said? He was saying it was either him or Boozy Badger or something. They were had a little bit too much wine that night or something. But <laughs> <laughs> someone had said, oh, barely, what did he say? He said, the furry fandom is the place we, uh, I forget the word. Didn't know we needed until we found it yep the place we needed we didn't know we needed till we found it yeah exactly it's beautifully beautifully worded i, I agree with that yeah it, it really is and now i i have to ask are you so which is it are you really a bunny or do you just aspire to be a bunny or does everyone have it just wrong? So that's something that started about two years ago. Uh, and it's funny because even now, uh, I can't get through a day without somebody making a bunny reference or a bunny joke at me. <laughs> no, <just laughs> and it's funny because um, when you look on Urban Dictionary under kangaroo, one of the definitions is a giant rabbit that can kick your ass. <laughs> So it sounds pretty cool anyway. But yeah, I've had the whole bunny thing. I, I, I still don't know exactly how it started. I think somebody made a joke one time 
and they kind of ran with it. You know, I kind of act like I get annoyed. I, I, I honestly don't care. I think it's funny. People just say, oh, you know, as a bunny, do you think this and this and that? And no offense to bunnies out there. I think they're amazing. Yeah. But I know uh, we're a whole separate group, you know. And uh, it's funny because when you look at the biological anatomy, bunnies are closer to humans and kangaroos are related to humans. Oh, really? Yeah, it's pretty interesting because kangaroos are a whole... Um, marsupials a whole other branch on there so i tell people you know it's funny how that whole thing started and it hasn't ended on there so i still can't get through a day especially around easter (laughs) oh my god easter this year was the worst i'll tell you that (laughs) i I was dreading easter i was looking at the calendar counting down days and i'm like oh my god easter's gonna suck with that and i I think I didn't get on Twitter for most of the day on Easter just because of that. And I remember looking back and I had tweets upon tweets of bunny tweets. And somebody did draw some pretty amazing art of me as an Easter bunny, which I really love. Oh, that's cool. So I got that. You know, I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, Easter was uh, it was interesting this year. I'll tell you that. I bet. So for cons, of course, we we talked about we've um, I met you at BLFC last year, I think. Yes. Is that mm-hmm. it? Yeah, and that was wonderful. So what was your first FurCon? How many do you typically go to or do you typically go to them? And what, what are your favorite ones? So my first ever furry convention, and it's embarrassing because I've been in the fandom since 1999. So my first ever furry convention was Texas Furry Fiesta 2000, um, yeah, 2018. And it's funny because I was staff before I even went to a furry convention. I was actually the social media guy for the Texas Furry Fiesta account for for Texas Furry Fiesta 2017, I believe. So I actually was staff before I actually went to a furry convention physically. So I did all of that by proxy here in El Paso. So that was my first ever furry convention. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, so many wasted years of not going to hang out with these amazing people. So I was staff, uh, the first furry convention I went to, um, which was a very fun experience. You know, it gives you a good appreciation for the amount of work people do and what goes into making a con, you know, function. It's, it's, it's a tremendous amount of work. And I give props to people who really volunteer their time to do that. So I had a big appreciation for what goes on behind it. The people, oh my God, seeing people that I've interacted with for years online, in person was like a dream come true. I was a kid in a candy store and that was before I had my fursuit. So nobody really knows, knew at that time, you know, what I look like and everything. And I would be like, oh my God, I can't believe it's you. I know I'm, I'm renegade. I've talked to you a bunch of times and stuff. And people are like, oh my God, it's you. And for those days, you know, I felt like, I was in heaven. You know, I was like, man, I wish this could last forever. So there are other, furry, you know, I, I told myself I'm going to go to more furry conventions. And fortunately, because I'm a teacher, I don't have a lot of flexibility in my schedule to hit a lot of them that I want to. You know, I told myself, you know, I want to try a different furry convention each year. And that's when I went to BLFC. Oh, mm-hmm. So BLFC was an amazing con. It was awesome seeing you there as well. It, it's such a unique convention because it's on a casino floor and it's in Reno, which gives us this whole completely different atmosphere from Texas Furry Fiesta what I was used to, but I I enjoyed it, you know, all the same. But the conventions that I'm going to go to, I've made it a point to say I'm going to go to these every year is definitely MFF, Texas Furry Fiesta. I wasn't able to go this year just because my schedule was super jam-packed, but uh, MFF was a complete joy, even though I, I... leave that con feeling sad because i'm not able to meet everybody i want to meet but it's it's just one of those cons where it just 
there's just not enough days to be able to do everything you want to do. Yeah, definitely those cons are the ones I, I plan to go to. Uh, I am going to go to Euroferns EF next year. Cool. Uh, I was going to go this year, but they canceled it because of COVID. But um, definitely planning on doing that next year along with MFF and TFF. So those are for sure cons. And yeah, I look forward to seeing everybody there. You know, it's always a blast. My, um, I'm hoping to make it to TFF uh, next year. Maybe I'll see you then next year. We'll see what happens with the world and stuff. <laughs> Definitely. Hoping for the best. You know, I understand why they closed these conventions this year. I totally, totally understand. You know, hopefully it'll ease up towards the end of the year and we can get back to normal next year. So I look forward to seeing you guys for sure. That would be great. Yes, me too. So tell us about your favorite plushie. <laughs> okay, so... A good friend of mine, Foxamore, um, really, really uh, amazing artist. If you guys haven't checked him out, definitely check him out. He's a good friend of mine. We're actually going to interview him pretty soon on the podcast. Oh, nice. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. He's been a good friend of mine for many, many, many years. He got me a kangaroo plushie from the Australian Zoo. I guess when he was touring out there, he got a kangaroo that's actually wearing the Australian Zoo uniform, and it says Australia Zoo on it. And, oh, my God, um, I'm in love with that plushie. I was going to take it to work. I, I, I have a bunch of kangaroo plushies that people have gotten me over the years and stuff. And I have a couple at work on my desk, you know. That's so cool. Yeah, people joke and say that my classroom looks like the Outback Steakhouse and stuff just because of all the kangaroos I have, you know, on there. But my favorite is that plushie that Fox got me from the Australian Zoo. You know, I hope to make my way out to Australia one day. Hey, it's the next best thing. I have a kangaroo plushie from the country itself. You do? Definitely my favorite. Nice. What about tails? Tell us the tale of the tail. So, tails are always amazing. Like, I've always thought there were when, when I, like I said, when I first started this fandom, I used to love werewolves and one of the things that annoyed me right off the bat was when a werewolf in the movie didn't have a tail. Oh. I just think they make you look really cool. I, I think they make them look bad you know badass you know they make it they just give so much emotion so that's the thing with tails is i think you can show a lot of emotion based on the tail itself like on art and everything mm -hmm. and so i remember when world of warcraft they announced that they were going to have these uh werewolf worgen characters i got super excited and then i saw that they didn't have tails and i'm like come on oh yeah why would you sad. create that yeah it was super sad and i was like that just sucks but it's funny because people think as a kangaroo, you know, you'd be super into paws and everything. And I think with me, I think tails are just freaking where it's at, you know. <laughs> we are of like mind. This pup loves tails a lot, too. I wag. I'm waking right now. There we go. Team tails. There we go. <laughs> and you bite. <laughs> That's another thing that started a long time ago. <laughs> What I do when I'm not on Twitter is, um, I haven't done it in a while, but I used to stream quite often. And I used to stream with a good friend of mine. His name is Weekend Wolf on Twitch. So one day, Weekend was having a hard game on, it was on Call of Duty or something. And he mentioned that he was going to bite. And I just thought it sounded adorable. <laughs> so I always joke and say, Weekend taught me how to bite. So I kept saying it to kind of poke at Weekend, like I'm going to bite. And then eventually it kind of took on its whole thing when I put like the capital U, W, capital yeah, U after it. People always joke around like, you're a herbivore. You can't bite and everything. But I like to prove the contrary, you know, on that. You're your own rue. I'm my own rue. There you go. Who says we can't bite, right? <laughs> right. And, you know, actually, all of that actually leads into my next question. Nice 
nicely. So good job for anticipating my thoughts. So your Twitter has 24. I guess I, I stalked you a little bit because I saw that your Twitter has 24.7K followers. Woohoo. And you're very active on the tweets as we've been talking about. What other social media, like you mentioned Twitch just a minute ago, but what other social media things do you do? And where and how are good ways to find your root shenanigans? Yeah, like I mentioned before, you know, I was, um, and I, I, I still am pretty relatively involved with Twitch. So they can definitely find me on Twitch under Renegade Kangaroo. Just search my name. That'll be the first one that pops up there. You know, as far, I tried to use other media platforms, like say Instagram. I tried Facebook and I think I lasted on Facebook for a week before I closed it because it was just horrible. <laughs> I just could not get into Facebook. I, I tried them. You know, they just don't have the same amount of ferocity that Twitter does. You know, like I, I'm, I, I legitimately am ADHD. So I like Twitter because it helps me, you know, get my mind off, you know, whatever silly thought I have, I can just tweet it out and it's done. It's out there. But Twitter's the only thing that I found that really kind of has that ump to it. So Twitter and Twitch are really where I'm most active on. I do have a Telegram and I'm extremely, extremely horrible at keeping up with that um, just because I'm usually busy during the week. And I hate to see people like, and I, I know uh, Tavian's probably seen where he's messaged me and it took me like days to get back to him sometimes. I'm used to it. <laughs> I'm so bad about that. I feel horrible about that. At least on, on Twitter, I'm more apt to see it and, and to get back, you know, a lot more frequently compared to, to those other social media platforms. But yeah, Twitter is definitely my main gig right there. I haven't participated in this, but I've seen you tweet about it. Do you do like games with people? virtually or something in the evenings or something? Yes, I usually would stream uh, every Friday night or Saturday night. What I used to do, and I, I plan to do it really soon actually, is to do uh, something called Jackbox Games. So we would have furry Jackbox Games. So Jackbox Games, I don't know if, if you've heard of it, it's an amazing game. It's a party game. You don't need the game, a copy of the game to be able to play. You just need a cell phone or a browser. And they have fun games like uh, there's one of my favorites called TKO where you literally draw on your phone like a design. Then somebody comes up with a slogan and it's random. So you got to pick the funniest shirt that would have a matching slogan with that drawing. And the drawing could be anything. So, of course, we of course we make it furry trash and we draw furry trash on there and write tails and stuff as a slogan and all that. And uh, it's it's such a fun game. So, you know, I have a lot of fun with the furry community doing those Jackbox games. I think 10 people can play at a time and the rest watch as an audience. So audience is pretty awesome because they can join in, actually make or break the game, you know, for that. I have a lot of fun with the furry community through Twitch streaming, hmm. you know, my Jackbox game nights, which uh, I plan to start again soon. I, I had to be on hiatus for a little bit just because I've been busy with work stuff and getting ready for the, the next school year. Yeah, that is uh, something I have a lot of fun with the furry community um, on my Twitch channel. I'll have to check that out or something when you, because I haven't apparently barely heard of it. I hadn't heard of this at all, but sounds fun. Yeah. Oh, it's a blast. We'll definitely make sure to, to invite you guys next time for sure. I'll save a spot for you guys. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yay. Uh, you've alluded to this. You have a wonderful job working with and teaching kids. Tell us about that. Sure. I'm a special education teacher for third grade this year. Uh, I've been a teacher for about five years now. I used to teach high school, I used to, but I've, I've been in special education throughout my whole career as a teacher. So I moved from high school to elementary. So currently I'm in an elementary school as a third grade teacher, a special ed teacher. And 
I absolutely love it. And it's funny because my degree is in journalism. For the longest time, I wanted to be a journalist. And I actually worked in a news station for many years as a, in post-production, not post-production, but in a production aspect as a graphic artist and a floor manager and a photographer for years. And it wound up not being something that you know, I found fulfilling. Eventually, I moved to a different job as a sales coordinator for Stanley Black & Decker. So I used to work for that company as a sales coordinator in LA. It brought me to LA, which was pretty neat. Then I moved up to a market manager in Houston with that company. And I just, again, I didn't find sales to be, you know, me, you know, and I know a lot of people are very successful at it. They love it. I just didn't find that passion for it. And I remember one day I had a conversation with my mom. My mom was a preschool teacher for many, many years. And I remember being on the phone with her and I just said, you know what? I, I need to change a career. I'm just not happy. And she says, why don't you come back to El Paso and try teaching? Why don't you become a substitute teacher? Eventually I decided, you know what, I'm going to make the move. So I decided to leave Houston, went to El Paso where, you know, I was born and raised and applied to be a substitute teacher. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I never once thought about being a teacher ever in my life, you know? So I was just like, you know what, let's try it. Let's, let's just see. I loved it. You know what it was, was really challenging. You know, everybody, you know, how everybody treats uh, substitute teachers, you know? So there's always a challenge in trying to get control of the class and all that. But I love the education aspect of it. And I loved the first time I was a special education substitute teacher for a uh, special education unit. And I worked with what they call the severe and profound. So it's a very, very severe unit. Kids can't even feed themselves. And I fell in love working um, those kind of units. I just said, you know what? I find this fulfilling. I love helping you know, kids that are a little bit less fortunate than us, you know, and I love seeing if I can make a difference in these kids' lives. And I told my mom one day, I just said, you know what? So they have this thing called alternative teaching certification. The only thing you do need in Texas is your bachelor's degree. So I, you can have a route to become certified as a teacher through uh, what they call an ACP program, an alternative certification program. And I told my mom, you know what? I'm I'm going to go, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to get certified. You know, I want to be a teacher. I think this is what I want to do the rest of my life. And I was a sub for about two years before I made that call. I wound up uh, getting certified when I was a sub. I took a first job at a uh, high school as a special education teacher. And I found it extremely rewarding. You know, it had its challenges. I love coming to work every day. And, you know, it's something that I can be fortunate about is I have a career that I absolutely love. You know, it, it's, it's, it's hard to be a teacher. You know, you, I don't work nine to five, you know, contrary to what some people believe, you know, my, my work, I take my work home with me a lot. I'm grading, I'm planning, you know, at nights, I'm constantly on the computer, getting my day ready for tomorrow, getting my week ready, you know, collaborating with other teachers. But even though it takes a lot of work and it is a challenging career, you know, it's, it's one of those careers you got to have a passion for or you won't survive. You know, I've seen a lot of people that thought they wanted to be teachers and then they did it for a couple of years and they noped right out of it. They said, this isn't for me. I don't like working with kids. I hate planning. I hate not having a social life, you know, and all of that. With me, I'm very fortunate that I found that niche in, in uh, special education that really filled that. So I had an opportunity last year to move to elementary, and I wanted that challenge of working with kids. And I used to work with high school. A lot of those kids, especially with the unit that I worked at, you know, they were already, you know, they already had life skills instilled in them to be able to function in the real world as best they can. 
And I really admired the people that worked with these kids at a younger age to instill these traits into them and these skills into them. So wanted to work with them at a younger level so I can be that first stepping stone to get them, you know, these life skills, you know, to be able to to take on with, you know, in the rest of their lives. And I love I, I don't I, I see myself staying in elementary for the rest of my career as a teacher. So I definitely love it. It's it keeps me busy, keeps me extremely busy. Contrary to my Twitter account seems because I do tweet a lot. A lot of that is between pages, you know, a lot of tweet between me grading papers or planning just so I can give myself a little breathing room so I can jump right in and finish working and stuff. Yeah, it's it's a challenging job. I love it. You know, I definitely have had some people DM me on Twitter saying that they were interested in becoming a teacher. And that always warms my heart because we need we need good teachers out there. You know, there's a lot of good teachers. There's a lot of bad teachers, unfortunately. You know, I've had my experiences growing up, you know, as a kid with uh, severe ADHD. You know, I that wasn't very well known when I was a kid. So I didn't have that help that is available to a lot of those kids. And I don't want a kid to be able to kind of slip through the cracks like I did. I had a horrible experience, you know, in school. I was a horrible student. Yeah, it's funny. It's ironic that I became a teacher, but it was challenging for my parents and it was challenging for the teachers to work with somebody who was like me. And I wanted to make sure that as a teacher, I won't allow that to happen, you know, to any of my students. So that's what I carry with me. That's my drive is I, I kind of know what it's like to to be in that special education kind of arena on there. It's what drives us. We have a little running thing in special education that says you have to be a little sped yourself to work in sped. And it's true because you have that empathy. You, you have that empathy of what it's like to feel left behind, you know, according to your peers. And it's interesting how some people who are in different, you know, special education is a broad term. It doesn't just mean the severe unit. It can mean everything to, you know, co-teach setting where the kids are integrated in a regular classroom. They just receive supplemental help, you know, to help them with little things here and there. So it's a very broad area. You know, it's one of the things that I do or I try to make a point to dispel any kind of rumors that special education have. It's it's not just the very severe units. You know, it's a very broad unit. Some of the brightest, brightest kids I've had the opportunity to meet you know, been in the special education program. And these kids have gone on to do some amazing things as engineers, you know, as um, educators themselves, you know, kids that, you know, just needed that extra help. And, you know, I wanted to be that somebody for my students. That's what drives me. And that's why I am very fortunate to have a career that I found, which, like I told you, I was a horrible student. You know, I, I never thought in a million years I'd ever be in the classroom again. But it's funny how life kind of changes like that. And, you know, it kind of threw a curveball at me. And, uh, I never thought I would be in the classroom. And here I am, you know, about five years later, and I can't see myself doing anything else. So I'm very fortunate to have a career that I definitely enjoy. Well, it's it's wonderful. And I mean, what you do is, is wonderful. Definitely. I think it's a, a beautiful job and you're passionate about it. And that's, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a follow your passion kind of pop. So I, I think that's, that's great that you're doing that. And of course, it's a great, for lack of better word, service and help for a lot of these kids that, that need it. And as that's wonderful to hear you say that you've seen some of them go and be engineers and things. And, and that's just amazing. Oh, it's rewarding. It definitely is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So outside of work, what do you do for fun? Do you have any hobbies? It's funny. I guess, I don't know if it's, it's sad, but funny, but my main hobby is actually the furry fandom. So when I'm not involved in work, and that's one thing that I've done. I mean, people do know that I'm a teacher, you know, I'm happy to talk about what I do and everything, but I do keep my professional life separate from my furry life. You know, I, I think, you know, 
there's a place for one and there's a place for the other. I, I believe me, I've had people send me on Twitter, you know, hey, why don't you go into classroom and fursuit, you know, and this and that. And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> you know, I keep my professional life, you know, my professional life, you know, and I keep my furry life, my furry life. And, you know, if when I'm not teaching, you know, doing all of that, you know, I'm looking for different kinds of volunteer opportunities that some people have come to me for, for animal shelters, for different things that they're doing. So, you know, I'll help out with some of that, you know, I'll retweet or I'll, um, you know, do what I can to kind of help people. You know, if they have some kind of cool, you know, charity event going on and everything. And I just mostly have fun with uh, this community in a lot of different ways. So, you know, if I'm not, you know, I'm gaming with the furry community, you know, I guess you could say that's another hobby of mine is gaming. But it does fall within the furry community. A lot of uh, my outside stuff, you know, that I kind of do extracurricularly. I'm involved uh, with the uh, local El Paso furs, you know, over here. So, you know, when they plan things, I like to go out there with them, you know, and any any opportunity I have to support my fursuit, you know, I'm always happy to yeah, do oh, yeah. that, you know, you know, you know what it's like, you know, to, to do that. But yeah, a lot of that stuff, you know, I did draw a lot. I do have a fur affinity account where I had some of my old artwork. I, I haven't done it in a while. I, I do miss drawing. I, I used to do it quite heavily back in the day, but I do love to draw, you know, and everything as well. That's kind of what I do in my free time. And I just love the escape the furry fandom has to kind of escape my you know professional life a little bit too. Um, like I said, I have a nothing but passion for what I do, but it's nice to be able to live that fantasy through, you know, that creature you created with others, you know, that feel the same way. So uh, it definitely falls within the furry community. My free time, a lot of my free time does fall, you know, within furry. Is your fur affinity account still active? Like, can people go? Uh, yeah, it's definitely active it should be under renegade kangaroo let me see what the exact url is it should be i don't know if it's renegade Roo. oh it's renegade kangaroo all one word so if they go on for affinity uh slash user slash renegade kangaroo they'll be able to find my page of artwork you know i used to take quests back in the day just because i wanted the challenge of drawing other people's personas i enjoyed it a lot but it's i think it's funny because the last drawing I have on there was about five years ago, which is around the time that I uh, started working as a teacher. So a lot of my time kind of got sapped. Uh -huh. But it's something that I do. I, I found it really relaxing when I did yeah. draw back in the day. It's something that I definitely want to get into when I find some more free time to do that. But yeah, people can still definitely find me on uh, Fur Affinity under Renegade Kangaroo. So you mentioned um, how it's a kind of relaxing, um, meditative type thing. Uh, we had Paco Panda on the show, one of our earlier episodes, and he was kind of the same way. I mean, during the podcast, he was actually drawing things and it just helped him while well, he drew me and barely. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. But it, it, it helps him focus. So he draws whenever he's listening or doing something else. Oh, nice. Um, how are you coping and doing with the COVID situation? You know, the COVID situation kind of a curveball at every single person you know everybody was affected by it you know we got hit by well it's we got locked down around march of last year which was around spring break during the school year so we had that mandate that nobody can go back to school so that was kind of a thing out of left field we had to scramble and try to put together some sort of online curriculum for the kids so that kind of really threw a curveball, both in a career sense and a personal sense, because the fur meet stopped, you know, conventions stopped, all this kinds of social mingling kind of stopped. And uh, I really enjoyed that. So you kind of went from looking forward to, you know, these fur meets that were going to happen, you know, in the city and stuff, uh, or conventions that were going to happen, to you staying at home the whole time. It was it was a challenge, you know, getting adjusted to 
the new normal, you know, as I've heard it, you know, and, and it definitely is a new normal. It's interesting how now there's a market for face masks and stuff and everything, which I think is really cool. I was, uh, I got a kangaroo face mask, you know, that I wear for that. You know, I think it's one of those things that we just have to adapt to as a society, just to get through it together. And that's something that we're going to become stronger for as time goes on. It did have its challenges getting that social aspect kind of swept from under you and I'm very fortunate that I have the fandom here to be able to socialize, you know, from home, you know, have just as much fun as I would, you know, in person, online, whether it's streaming, you know, on Twitch through playing games, you know, or just talking to, you know, people on uh, Twitter and everything. So I'm very, very, very fortunate. You know, I had my friends to talk to to kind of alleviate that kind of uh, seclusion because it does get lonely and i'm sure we've all felt that at one point or another you know to kind of have that seclusion but i'm very fortunate that this fandom and again i I kind of allude to a community here you know i had this community of people that are going through the same things that i'm going through you know with this pandemic to be able to talk to vent to mess around with you know play around with you know and talk to to be there so i'm very fortunate i at least had that but you know, I'm getting uh, getting my leggings back. You know, I'm getting ready to face this new normal, you know, go with the new school year that's going to be happening. We start on Monday uh, as of this broadcasting. You know, I'm ready to uh, take that on and see uh, what comes at me. So it's kind of a sink or swim scenario. And, uh, you know, this kangaroo loves to swim for sure. <laughs> well, good, good. Um, great. It's good that you're, you know, keeping you know, positive with everyone and talking and still being involved in the, in the community and everything. And I, I definitely agree. I think that helps us all out, all out. I don't know why I said it like that, but I did. So you've said a lot of um, interesting things and wonderful things about yourself and things you've done and, and in, in your past and current and just all over the place. Out of everything, what would you say is your biggest accomplishment? My biggest accomplishment, you know, from that I can say from you know my many years of being in the furry fandom and being involved, and like I said, it's a huge part of who I am nowadays. You know, it really is. Is the different kinds of people from different walks of life I've had the absolute pleasure of running into and uh, making connections with. You know, again, I'm I'm some guy, I'm some teacher out in the middle of El Paso, Texas, and to have had the opportunity to network with musicians, with artists, you know, with uh, performers, with people from, you know, doctors to lawyers, all kinds of different careers and backgrounds has just been amazing. And it's amazing part of what this fandom can bring. And it's amazing part of, um, you know, what I've been able to accomplish. You know, I've been able to experience a lot of new things I never would have been able to experience if it not have been for me, you know, my life path kind of crossing paths with somebody else, you know, in this fandom. And I think to me, that is one of the greatest, you know, things that I can take away from this fandom was having that opportunity to just meet people from different cultures, different backgrounds from all around the world. You know, I got invited to be part of one of my friend's wedding. You know, he's uh, he's in the fandom. He sent me a message a couple of months ago saying that he wanted me to be part of his wedding court in England. So I'm very fortunate to be able to go to England next year and be a part, like go halfway across the world to be part of my friend's wedding ceremony, be part of something that's a huge part of his life. It's it's just amazing, you know, how you can be a world apart, but still have these very, very close and natural connections to uh, people, you know, make these genuine friendships with people from all over the world. So that is definitely a huge, um, you know, I feel like is a big accomplishment you have been able to, to have within this fandom. 
Definitely. Uncle Kage was kind of saying similar things, of course. In particular, he was saying how, you know, he, he's a scientist and everything, but his science work and occupation doesn't pay for him to go travel anywhere. So if he needs to travel somewhere, um, he has to do it himself. But because of the for the fandom and everything, cons, like, you know, cons have had him out. So he's actually been all over the world to Malaysia, Germany, France, all, all of these places that he never could have gone if it weren't for furry. So it's pretty amazing how supportive we are of everyone. We're, we're coming to the end of our time with you, Renegade. Thank you again for being with us. And I would like to know if there's any one thing, if you had to say one thing to the furry community today, what would you say to the furry community? What words of wisdom would you give us? I would say just, just have fun being you. One of the best parts about you know this whole community is i feel like i can be myself 100 percent, be happy and free doing it you know that's one thing i like to emphasize on my twitter account sometimes you know while i'm very 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 fortunate to have you know the following that i was able to get which i, I still don't understand why people follow me but you know i, I just had fun you know i just had fun with people and everything but you know a, a lot of it was just because i had fun and having that genuine fun of interacting with people. And I think people will find their own way to find their own fun niche in the fandom, but just be yourself. And this is a place where you can explore being yourself. You know, myself wasn't the same self as it was nine years ago. You know, it, it evolved and I've had uh, the pleasure of being able to find who I was, you know, within this fandom because of the welcoming atmosphere. And I think a lot of us come from a place where, like, I wasn't the most popular kid in high school. I was a nerdy dork, you know, in high school and everything. But that kind of stuff, and I think we, a, a lot of people in this fandom kind of have something similar in common where they kind of felt like they didn't have a place to belong in the outside world, but they were able to find a home within this fandom where they were able to kind of grow and the world has a way of kind of cutting you at the stem early on in your childhood sometimes where people don't get to blossom. And I feel like this fandom kind of allows that to happen in their own way. So I just want people to enjoy the escape that this offers, enjoy being who you are as a person. You know, these amazing experiences and friendships are definitely going to come. And it definitely happened for me. I'm very, very, you know, honored to have, you know, come across a lot of people's lives and have people come across my life, you know, in turn because of this fandom. So definitely be yourself, be happy who you are, and don't be afraid to grow. You have that community to back you, you know, on that as well. So enjoy it. <laughs> Those are some wise words from a kangaroo. They are. And I would like to end on, uh, Rue, what is your favorite joke? Yeah. So one of the things that I, I remember one time I said it and it, it wound up going viral for some reason was, what do you call a wolf with morning wood? And I put a timber wolf and somebody who was not in the fandom retweeted it and it wound up getting a lot of traction for some reason. <laughs> and people were retweeting it, you know, and doing all of that and quoting it and everything like that. So just because of the amount of laughs I, I assume it got because it got a lot of traction that one time that's probably became my favorite joke you know just because it was able to kind of make people laugh and it was so stupid as a lot of my jokes are you know i try to make it as a fun mindless you know account that people can just laugh to and kind of take a break from their day you know doing but i have to say that's my favorite one <laughs> Nice. I have to say that I was a little concerned about having you on the show because I was told that it was just going to be one nonstop pun fest between you and Tabin. So I'm I'm very happy that that didn't happen. <laughs> oh, it took a lot of restraint. It really did. It took a lot of restraint to uh, 
not do that. You know, I, I can say that I'm happy, you know, that um, <laughs> <laughs> I had to throw one in there before we leave. You know, <laughs> I had to throw it in. Barely should be proud of me because there I had lots of opportunities, but I. Oh, you did. Pup, yes. I was good pup. <laughs> you were good pup. All right. So, well, Renegade, thanks again for being on our show. It was a, a pleasure to have you and I, good luck with those kids. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure being on with you guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. And yeah, it was a uh, it was it was an awesome awesome time with you guys. Definitely was. Well, we'll see you around on the internets and the tweets and the telegrams. Bark bark. Definitely be around. Thanks again, guys. Wow, Renegade, what a guy. There's a lot going on there. Yeah, he's got a lot of good stuff, and it just goes to show you, as we've all heard people tell us. And it's true. You start somewhere in life and you have you never know where you're going to end up. Like he was saying, he thought he wanted to be a journalist, never thought he'd be a teacher. What? Crazy. But now it's that's his passion. And that's wonderful. And he's he's done a lot of great things. And, you know, he's he's a big prom. He's a prominent fur in the community. You know, he says he likes to entertain. And I I I have seen him do that. So that's really great. No, he's a great guy. It was a lot of fun talking to him. We should move on to our next segment. What do you say? I say, let's move on to our next segment. Right. So I'm going to have a little segment today called Animal Biology with Barely. Oh, we're, we're getting informed and knowledgeable. Knowledgeable, since you have math stuff that you do, I'm going to do biology. Here's some interesting animal fact. Did you know that most polar bears and most kangaroos are left pod? I did not know that, actually. Right. We should have asked Renegade if he was left pod. Or when we get done recording here, we have, we'll have left pod. Um, and speaking of left, when bats exit a cave, they turn left. That's just what they do? Really? Yeah, that's just what they do. Yep. Always to the left. I wonder why that is. That's interesting. I had not heard that. It's probably something to do with their magnetoreception. That's the same reason that a dog can find his way home. They say now that he uses sight, smell, and magnetoreception. So you, Tabin, do you have magnetoreception? I might intrinsically and just not know it. So if we drop you off in the middle of the forest somewhere, you should be able to find your way home. In theory, but probably not because I am a pup with no good magneto sense. (laughs) Okay. And you know why a cat always lands on his feet? Tell us, Barely, why does a cat always land on its feet? They have no collarbone and their spine is flexible. It's called the writing reflex. The writing reflex. It writes them and orients them feet down as they're falling. And they're very, very flexible and their spine is very flexible, which is the same reason that they can clean themselves in that very awkward position that we often find our kitties. So, Tabin, last week you promised me that you would tell me about your hairy ball. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. So, a few weeks ago I talked about the Brower Fixed Point Theorem, had some nice applications I talked about and fun things. And then last week I talked about the Ham Sandwich Theorem, which actually has some real like applications. And so, yeah, the, the Hairy Ball Theorem is a theorem in topology, branch of math. It's also called the Hedgehog Theorem, but it's better known by the uh, Harry Ball theorem. Well, it's easier to remember because, you know, ha- 
half the population has that problem. Yeah, exactly. I'm actually not sure what that means, but I'm sure to other people out there, they know what that means. It's relatively new-ish. It was first proved by Henri Poincaré, French mathematician, but he proved it back in 1885. But then it was generalized actually to higher dimensions in 1912. So that, you know, not really that long ago in the grand scheme of things. And uh, generalized by Brouwer, this is the same Brouwer that did the fixed point theorem that I talked about a few weeks ago. What it says is in, in mathy language, it says, there does not exist an everywhere non-zero tangent vector field on the two-sphere. I'm sure it says it exactly like that in that voice, right? You know, you have to know some math a little bit to understand those words and what it means. So let me try and explain just what it says exactly. Really, if you have a coconut, you know, it has all these hairs on it, right? And everything. The hairy ball theorem literally says in terms of a coconut that you cannot comb in terms of a coconut (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) but (laughs) you cannot comb the hairs of a coconut all completely flat all of them there's always going to be at least one little uh whirl or cowlick which is wouldn't that be a coconut lick (laughs) i mean a coconut lick right Yep. Okay. You'll always have a coconut lick. On the other paw, if you think of a donut, a hairy donut, which means it's been (laughs) sitting around for a very long time. Very long time. If you have one, you can comb all the hairs completely flat on a donut, it turns out. I mean, you can do it. Like, grow some hairs on a donut. You can actually do it. The only reason you would probably grow hairs on a donut. But anyway, so something special about the sphere, about, about a ball. It actually has some fun applications in the real world. For example, uh, more kind of more mathy. It actually has implications talking about fixed points. So if you remember, I talked about fixed points a few weeks ago. It's not the exact same thing what I talked about, but the idea of a fixed point, it actually says things about that. So there's all these kinds of applications there. More specifically, so, you know, if you if you had a metallic ball, so it's like a spherical mirror. And, you know, it's a, it's a mirror, but things are getting stretched out and things look funny and, and the reflections all over the place are all bent out of shape. <laughs> like it had a bad day or something. It's bent out of shape. <laughs> that was Actually, it turns out by the Harry Ball theorem, there's a po- at least one point on that mirror that the reflection is perfectly normal. It's not all kittywampus or anything. It's actually perfectly normal. Another application is that uh, antennas. So if you think of like your car or antennas, that um, radio waves and signals and all that stuff. By the Harry Ball theorem, there is no way to have perfectly equal reception and equal reception all the way around. There's always at least one point that's going to have not perfect reception. There's no way to, (laughs) to be perfect believe it or not. Hmm. Another application, which is pretty cool, is that by the Harry Ball theorem, at any given time, there is at least one point on the Earth with no wind movement, even though there's wind all around it, which means that at any given time, there is at least one cyclone on the Earth. And uh, that's an application of this very mathy sounding Harry Ball theorem thing. Oh, and also there's like applications in computer graphics and uh, recently some applications in nanotechnology, actually. Okay, so I think we should go on to some of our jokes. Now that we've made enough jokes, just because... (laughs) And before you do, let me say, I don't know if we want me to do a story too. I have a story if that makes sounds. <laughs> okay, we have to do that now. So before we go to jokes, let's do the storybook that makes sounds. So a fur, uh, I forget who it was. Sorry if you're listening. Uh, a fur recommended a uh, book for 
me to read for story time. And I said, well, I'll read it on, um, on a future podcast. So I got it. And um, this one is called, I like to squeak. How do you speak? It's a little mousy talking to a cow on the front here. You can't see it, but he is. And the sounds, there's sounds in here and they're little, I'm not exactly sure how they are. Cause when I was looking through it earlier today, the sounds were in the wrong order. And then I tried it again <laughs> and they were in the wrong order again, but a different wrong order. Okay. Another time, half of them were in the right order and the other half weren't. So I don't know if this will work the way it's supposed to, but we'll try it. But it's going to be fun. I, <laughs> I like to squeak. How do you speak? <laughs> so that's, first of all, in the wrong order. Because the story starts out, it goes, Mouse sees a horse, happy, of course, eating tasty hay. Mouse says, I like to squeak. How do you speak? Happy horse says, and then you're supposed to hear the sound, but we don't. We don't. We heard it first. We, you heard it here first. So I'll turn the page and see what happens. Nothing. Nothing. Okay. So maybe got back on the right order. We'll find out. We'll, we'll find out. Yeah. This page says, Mouse sees a cow besides a plow with lots of grass to chew. Mousey says, I like to squeak. How do you speak? Cheerful cow says, <laughs> apparently, apparently he can speak two languages. <laughs> so, so that's that's that. Um, so Mouse sees a pig who's very big go bouncing with a boing. I like to squeak. How do you speak? Playful pig says. The pig speaks horse. A horse is a very popular language, apparently. It must be the standard language of the barnyard. <laughs> must be. Um, mouse sees a sheep who's half asleep, gazing at the stars. I like to squeak. How do you speak? Sleepy sheep says. <laughs> I didn't even find the page yet. <laughs> I'm not even doing anything. I'm just talking to you. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, I can't do anything. <laughs> oh, my cow. Oh, my cow. Okay, so uh, Mouse says to all the animals, it's my turn now to speak. I may be small, but hear my call. And he makes the loudest monkey sound. Monkey <laughs> sound, apparently. <laughs> I, I think it's supposed to be a mousy squeak, but each. So that's the end. Okay, good. No, it is the hound. Horsey, horsey, you can't. Doesn't He's, want it to be. He just can't stop to stop talking. He wants to talk. He wants to talk. And each page has these little uh, flap thingies. Yeah, yes, they do, horsey. And like the last page says, uh, you know, mouse makes the loudest and you open it up and it says squeak. No, it doesn't say that. It says squeak. And then it says things like, can you squeak like a mouse? Can you squeak all around your house? So you're supposed to be a little mousy, apparently. So, yeah, I'm putting you down, horsey. And so um, I'll have to uh, find the fur that um, asked me to do that and point it out so that he can listen to this podcast. Horsey and everything. Oh, God. Okay, uh, good, good. That was great. Oh, okay. So let's go on to some jokes. If anybody is left uh, <laughs> to listening that, that's not dying of laughter at this point. 
Okay. So I'm going to start with earlier today, I was flipping through the television channels. I should have talked about this when we were talking about TV, but I flipped on an Australian cooking show uh-huh. and the chef made meringue and the audience cheered, which is kind of odd because Australians usually boo meringue. <laughs> oh my cow. <laughs> I have my book to continue from, and again, I'll read some from the next page, which I haven't read myself yet. But before I do that, do you know, Barely, why Athens doesn't like the mornings? I don't know. Why does not Athens like the mornings? Because Don is tough on Greece. Well, oh, yeah, Athens, Greece. Okay, got it. Oh, yeah, geography and stuff. Got it. Hey, you know what you call a, a snake that's 3.14 meters long? I have an idea, but tell me, Barely. It's a python. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so for any further that didn't get that, 3.14 is, you know, pi, the number pi. And so it's a, okay. A farmer and his wife went to a fair. The farmer was fascinated by the airplanes and finally asked the pilot how much a ride cost. $10 for three minutes, the pilot said. But I'll make you a deal. If you and your wife can ride without making a sound, it will cost you nothing. But if you say one word, you have to pay $10. I don't know why he's... So dramatic. He's so dramatic. He he likes his work, I guess. Agreed, said the farmer. It's a gay farmer, apparently. But he he has a wife. But that's not uncommon to... That's just a beard. It's just a... Yeah, there you go. This quote-unquote wife of mine. They went for a ride, and after the pilot landed, he said, I want to congratulate you for not making a sound. You are a very brave man. Maybe so, said the farmer. But I almost yelled when my wife fell out. But he's happy now. But he's he's happy now. He's got no more problems. So I've heard from a lot of furs telling us that we should not make jokes anymore and not make any puns. Oh, really? Yeah, they said if we didn't do that, if we stopped making jokes and puns it would depun the experience of our podcast because <laughs> uh, I, I i got that i'm not sure i approve but i i did get that i don't know how that segues into reggie wanting to know what you're going to take for your cold and bob said bob said i don't know how much will you give me? Huh? How much what? are you taking for your cold? I don't know. How much will you give me? Reggie says, what are you taking for your cold? Bob says, I don't know. How much will you give me? Oh, <laughs> okay. Got it. The other day, you know, it was it was a really busy day and there was a lot of bad things that happened. And so I called up my giraffe friend. Mm-hmm. I said, let's go to a bar and drink. And my giraffe friend said, awesome, let's go. So off we went and we started pounding back the drinks. I mean, shot after shot after shot. And we both got really, really drunk to the point where my giraffe friend passed out and fell on the floor. And I thought, I need to get out of here before I get in trouble. So as I'm trying to leave, the bartender yells at me and says, hey, hey, you can't leave that lion on the floor. And I said, that's not a lion. That's a giraffe. Uh, you know, it's hard to come up with really bad jokes from time to time. Yeah, but you know, yeah, it is. But you know what? There was this string that walked into a bar and said, bartender, could you give me um, a beer? And the bartender said, no, sorry, we can't serve beer to pieces of string. The string gets all mad and stomps out. And then in an effort to disguise himself, ties himself in a, in a knot and, and like a, scruffles himself up and stuff so he's not identifiable and stuff 
So then he goes into the bar and says, bartender, could you, could I get a beer, please? Bartender says, aren't you that piece of string that was just in here a little bit ago? And string says, afraid not. Oh, yeah. my cow. Oh, my cow. Okay, I stop. I- that brings us to our, fi- our final segment. Yay. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> And so many furs are going, oh, thank God, it's their final segment. Oh, thank God. But at least they've listened this far. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank so, you if you've listened this far. Okay. This brings us to our final segment, which, of course, is... The Sword That <laughs> So we have four this or that's for you. The first one is going to tie into your joke from last week about Ooh. the pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, great. Ninjas or pirates? I think probably ninjas. Because... They're kind of neat and throw things and go flippity flop and <laughs> I don't, maybe they do. And they jump around like big bunnies that are flopping everywhere and they do martial arts and this pup likes that. Okay. Uh, piercings or tattoos? This pup isn't a fan of either, but I have seen some pretty possum tattoos Andrew, you, you remember Andrew, of course. I remember Andrew. Yeah. Really great bear and, and tattoos and stuff. Um, I've seen some other really cool tattoos and freight type things. So um, I'll have to go with tattoos. I've got several tattoos. That's right. You do. You have some nice tattoos. So sometimes people don't necessarily have good tattoos and you have some good tattoos. Zombies or aliens? Zombies are scary so i'll go aliens although aliens is a scary movie and this pup closes his posies over eyes and stuff maybe there's an alien out there that's a big fluffy puppy or marsupial or shellfish or something that's out there a fluffy shellfish and so fluffy that shellfish <laughs> maybe I, I don't know so I'll who go, knows right i'll go with the aliens because they have fluffy shellfish and marsupials okay all right their final one this is kind of scientific celsius or fahrenheit probably fahrenheit because this pup is used to that and even though you know there's the conversion factor was it nine fifths fahrenheit plus 32 or something like that i never have a good sense for like if some fur tells me oh this is 15 degrees celsius i'm like thinking what does that uh, hurt but if you tell me 15 degrees fahrenheit i know what that is if i did more conversions on a normal basis and got used to it it'd probably be okay but since i haven't I'll have to go Fahrenheit. <laughs> well, Tabin, that brings us to the end of our podcast. It's been a podcast this it's week. It's been quite a journey. Let me tell you, my wagging has been all over from top to bottom to fluff to, yeah, it's been all around. I'm looking out the window and it's windy. So I know that the place on the planet where it's not windy is not here right not now. Not outside your window. <laughs> So you learned something. <laughs> I, I did. I learned something. Somewhere on the planet, there's no wind. But not out your window right now. Furs, uh, gentle furs, and uh, people of all ages that are listening to our pod, if you'd like to help support the pod, you can go to Ko-Fi and help support the pod. If you would like to send us a message, you can do so on fairlyfurcasting at gmail.com. We have a Twitter. We, you can tweet us. You can telegram us. You can email us. You can send us a regular mail because you don't have our address, so that'll be kind of hard for you to do. But you could try. Send a letter in the Postal Service to uh, Barely Forecasting somewhere in Oregon and see if it gets here. Wouldn't it be cool if you got one? That would be funny. Tabin, you have a great week. Don't work too hard. Goodbye, all you furs. Goodbye. Bark, bark. See you next time. Or talk to you next time. Say bark, bark, Tabin. Bark, bark, Tabin. <laughs> 
Barely Furcasting is an Injured Nerves studio production and is found on all major podcast platforms or can be heard directly at barelyfurcasting.com. All opinions expressed here are those of Tabin and Barely and neither received any commercial compensation for their opinions. The Furcast is produced, recorded, and directed by me, Barely Normal, a.k.a. Mike Began, and is edited by myself and our associate editors, Rain Raccoon and Keynes. This week's interview was edited by Keynes. Opening, interstitial, and closing music by Shane Ivers through SilvermanSound.com. If you would like to send us a message, you can do so via email at barelyfurcasting at gmail.com or on our Telegram chat at BFFTChat. Additionally, Tabin can be reached on social media at TabinPup on YouTube and Twitter. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you back here next week. Thank you.